Awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. All right, let's get into this word this morning. Father, we do love you, and we, again, are so thankful for the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. And so this morning, we don't look at us, we don't look at what we have done or haven't done, but Father, we ask you just to continue to enlighten us and reveal to us who Jesus is and what he did for us clearly so that we can see, so we can know and live as the changed and as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for it in advance. Holy Spirit, we give you access this morning to move, access this morning to do what you need to do because you know where everybody's at in their own hearts and in their own lives and in their journey. So Father, we thank you for it in advance in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's start here in Psalm 27 and verse 8. I want to just read this verse to us again because the most precious invitation that has ever hit the eardrum of any human being is the invitation of being able to come and seek his face. There's nothing greater than that. Am I right, church, on that? Is, I mean, this is wonderful. So if you guys turn there for a moment, Psalm 27, verse 8, it says, Lord, when you said to me, seek my face. Now, again, the invitation to this is to what? To seek his face. And when you see face, a lot of times it's in reference to the nature or the character of God, not just the hands of God, meaning to see what he's able to do. And of course, when you get to know the nature or the face of God, of course you get an understanding of his ways. And that's what Moses was like in the, New Te- or the Old Testament. It says Moses knew the ways of God, the children of Israel knew the acts of God. And so for us in these last days, Jesus paid too high of a price for you and I to know Jesus secondhand. He paid a tremendous price so that you and I can actually have firsthand information, firsthand experience that you don't need to wait for a particular service, but you can actually experience in him. In your own, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, you can have your own encounter with the Lord because again, the invitation is, Lord, I heard you say, anybody hear, hear that? Well, if you've never heard it before, guess what? You're hearing it right now. This is the invitation from the Lord Almighty, seek my face. But here's the thing. It needs a response. And I love that you see it here. My inner being responds to you now. Lord, my, I'm seeking your face with all of my heart. So not only is there a response, but there's kind of like what Julian was saying in the offering. Now there's action to what I'm responding to. Lord, I want you. And listen, when you seek, you will find. God is not very good at hide-and-go-seek, meaning this. If you go looking for him, you're going to find him, right? You say Marco, he will say Polo, right? You're going to find him. And so it's crucial for you and I to really have this, this, this heart. I crave this. This is my life's journey. My life's passion is that I get to know him, not just about him, not just what the world thinks out there. I get to know the creator of this universe. And not only that, he knows me intimately, but I get to know him in that same very way. And why is this crucial for us? Because again, in these last days, as the world gets crazier and crazier, I want to walk closer and closer with my heavenly father. So close to all of a sudden, one day he just catches me up and we're out of here. Anybody else want to join that, that trend? Oh yeah. I'm, I, anybody want to stay during the seven year tribute? I didn't think so. Okay, now we're just making sure we're in the right place for that. Okay, and again, now why are we taking the time to, to seek his face and really to establish my heart in his grace? Because really when you see the face of God, you're going to see grace itself. Remember, grace is not just a topic. Grace is a man, and it's Jesus Christ. And why are we spending our time establishing our hearts and our, you know, our livelihood, our thinking, our talking along what grace has done? Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 and 9, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
he never changes. The grace of God is not going to change on you and I. It's not going to change tomorrow morning. In fact, it's the same. So you know, it's good that our hearts get established right after verse 9. I'll read the verse. It says, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Other translations say, it is good that our hearts be established by grace. Because again, not, eating, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. So again, the focus for you and I, our, our heart, the way that God has instructed us over the course of this time is to really establish our hearts in this grace. So it's not just the topic that we talk once in a while, or it's not just the subject you bring up and go, well, that's for people that don't know, that don't know God. No, listen, you need grace today to live. Titus chapter 2 even talks about that grace teaches us. Who does it, who, what's the us that's incorporated in that verse? It's the church. Grace is teaching us. Grace has appeared to all men that everybody can receive the grace of God. Absolutely. But now when you've accepted grace, when you've accepted what Jesus has done for you on the cross, it doesn't stop there. Now grace is going to instruct you on how to live in this perverse generation. That's the whole purpose of grace. Not only is he going to teach you, but he's going to establish you and strengthen you so that you're not just struggling in your Christian life and, oh, there's this temptation over here and there's a temptation over here. That's not how grace views you. Grace views you as the victorious in Christ Jesus. Like Jillian was saying in the offering, you already are the victorious. That's who you is. So when we say I'm victorious, I'm not waiting for maybe the manifestation or the realization, though, yeah, I guess I'm victorious. That's how God sees you. Because grace paid a tremendous price for you and I. Now, a heart established in grace is simply this. It's allowing heaven's reality to flood your life until it changes the way you think and it changes the way that you see. When you think and see differently, you'll start talking differently. Now, eyes that see, ears that hear. Those are both gifts from the Lord. But being born again... What does that word born again mean? I got my new brother and sister in the front row. They, got, they received Jesus last week, so hi. They got born again last week. So what, what, what happened in that moment? Uh, they got changed from the inside, right? And it's going to be inside out. And she was yelling teleo last week, so we'll get into that again. But that's what happened to you and I. The moment you called on Jesus, you were reborn on the inside. And not only is it just your destination heaven, thank God it is, but now you are qualified to have insight into kingdom principles. That's good news. So you're not stuck with what CNN say or what CBC says, MSNBC. You're not stuck to that. You now have inside information and you get to see things from a different realm. And that's the whole purpose of you and I getting our hearts and our minds established in this grace. So we are, say, I am am. a seeing person. I I am a hearing person. person. That's who you are. God in these last days needs a hearing church, needs a seeing church. You see that in the book of Revelation? There were seven different messages that went to different churches, but they all had one thing in common. He said, those that have eyes to see, let them see. Those that have ears to hear, let them hear. So God needs a seeing and a hearing church. And this is why the Apostle Paul, really the Holy Spirit, prayed this prayer through him. And I want you and I, let's pray this this morning. Verse 17 says, I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you, say me. Me. Lord, I'm more than anything else on this earth, more than a car, more than a new house, more than my favorite, you know, meal later on. I'm asking you, Lord, to give this to me. This is what I want more than anything. What do I want? A spirit of wisdom and revelation. 
What is that? In sight. Okay, so it's like you're going in. Ooh. Insight into the mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. There it is. By having the eyes of my heart flooded with light so that I can know and understand. Isn't that, wouldn't this just solve a lot of church problems if we would just have this? To know and understand what? The hope to which what he's called me to do. So first of all, what has God called me to do? You're not going to figure it out here. You can't go to a job fair and go, well, I guess that's what I'm called to do. No. You have to get it from a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Your eyes need to be flooded with light. What is all that saying? Your mind starts being changed by the way God thinks, and you'll know what you need to do. Rather than, I just got to figure out what is it they want me to do. Change the way that you think. We'll find that later. And then next to what he's called me to do, the second thing is, is how rich. Why do I need a spirit of wisdom and revelation? To see how rich. Come on, say it with me. Rich. Rich. Is his glorious inheritance where? In me. So what did he put on the inside of me? What do I need to know? I need my heart to be flooded with light to see what he's already done. Not, oh God, would you please heal me? Oh God, would you do? He's already done it. So what am I doing? I need my eyes to be flooded with light to see what grace has already done so that now I'm participating rather than whining about what God has already done. Rich inheritance in the saint is set apart ones. And then lastly, he says, why do you need the spirit of wisdom and revelation? So that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for you because you believe. You got the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of us right now. And what is this, as he said, as demonstrated, what is this power? The demonstrated power, the working of his mighty strength, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Where is that? Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in this world, but also in that which is to come. Verse 22, and he has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills in all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Now, I want you just to see this in the Message Bible, verse 23, the last part of this. I like the way the Message Bible brought it out. It says, the church you see is not peripheral. That word peripheral is secondary. The church you see is not secondary to the world, the world is second to the church. Meanwhile, they're making all these, doing all these things that they want to be doing, not so for you and I. We are from a completely different realm. But what do we need? We need to see it. We need to hear it so we can participate in it. Heaven is a participation sport. This whole, the kingdom is all about participation. He wants your involvement in it. So what does God need more than anything? He needs a church that sees and he needs a church that hears so that we can participate. Now he goes on to say the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and he acts by which he fills everything with his presence. So when you walk into your job tomorrow morning, guess what? 
God goes too. Heaven shows up. Well, why? Because you're there. So you and I have got to start seeing it. Oh, God, I just wish you would save my business. You know, save the people that I work with. You go, heaven goes with you. We got to see that. Now, again, since the church now is his body on the earth, acting as his representatives, we have to think like him so that we can accurately bring across heaven's agenda, which is the gospel, to this world. On the other hand, heaven's agenda is either limited or it's operating based on the thinking and the believing of the church. All right, I'm going to say that one more time. Heaven's agenda, what heaven wants to do, its will, its purpose, what God wants to do in this earth is either limited or it is fully operating based upon the thinking and the believing of the church. So don't get me wrong, God will get his will done, but it's only with those that are going to cooperate with how he wants to do things. So people kind of, well, that's that, well, God's just sovereign. He'll just do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, God's will, don't worry. Yes, he is sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he has delegated his authority into this earth to you and I. So now he needs a vessel to operate and work through to get his kingdom on this earth. In the Old Testament, you see God did a lot of mighty acts, and you see God do that. When you look now to the book of Acts, you see the Holy Spirit working through men and women in these days to perform what he wants to do. Well, that hasn't ended. The book of Acts, we're in continuation. We're in Acts chapter 2022 right now. It just continues on. So you and I have got to learn to think like heaven thinks. We've got to hear what heaven sounds like. That's why there is such an urgency throughout the word of God to get the church to start thinking right. We've got to think right so we can talk right, so we can act right, but it all starts here. Because what happens is you start trying to do all of these other things. i got to act right. i got to talk right. It's simply just behavior modification, which really turns into more of a religious spirit. And that's not what this is about. This is me participating and allowing God to change the way that I think through his word. Look at this in Romans chapter 12 again. It says, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercy? He simply said to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred and living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Verse 2 now, he says again, stop it. Say with me, stop it. Look at your neighbor and say, stop it. Stop it. Those online, stop it. Stop what? Imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. Again, what is the Aramaic brings out in this part? Don't be squeezed into the mold that the world is screaming at you to think like. It's full of it. Every time you turn on something, every time you try to post something, the world is constantly screaming, think like us. Be like us. And if you're not, cancel you. That's the whole culture that's there. So what do we need to do? I cannot be, in, I can't, stop it. I'm not going to allow the opinions and the ideals of this culture cause me to think a certain way, cause me to act a certain way. It sounds Christian, but it ain't the word. So what what do I do instead? But now I have to be inwardly transformed by the Spirit of God through a total reformation of how I think. Why is this so important? This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. This is crucial for us, church. 
And you actually see, I mean, Hosea 4, 6 even gives instruction to this, that my people are perishing. Why? For lack of knowledge. And that word knowledge, you know, if you look at that in the Hebrew, it's actually the word wisdom. They don't see it. And it actually goes on to say it's because you have rejected wisdom. So I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not rejecting wisdom. I need the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of this world. There should be a difference walking into this building than Canadian Tire up the street. What is that? There's a different thought process here. There's a different spirit here. I'm hoping that you're feeling that. I mean, okay, just, feels just like Canadian Tire in here when I walk into Impact. Rock on, man. Let's go get me some tires. That's not what this should be. We want it to be as soon as you walk in here, man, I just want to lift up my hands and I just want to, I just want to worship. That's what it ought to be. Somebody help me out this, but that's, that's what you're experiencing? Yes. Okay. Because I will send Carrie on you and we, uh, all right. Anyways. No. <laughs> so what happens, the question is, what happens when the body of Christ aligns themselves with the head? The plan of God advances and heaven now invades earth. So now... The focus of the church in these last days, again, is to intentionally align our thinking with heaven's thinking. Yes. And then 2 Timothy chapter 2, let me just give you this word of encouragement. This will really bless you. For all who choose to live godly lives, or to live godly as worshipers of Jesus, the anointed one, will also experience persecution. Yes. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? So guess what? Persecution is part of the package. But it's not because of you, it's because of him. Listen, they killed the boss. So (laughs) don't think you're going to get this special treatment. Verse 13, look at this. He says, evil men, sorcerers, will progress from bad. You think it's bad, guess where it's going? (laughs) Really? Yeah, that's that's what it says. Deceived, and they're deceiving as they lead people further away from the truth. But not you. Not I. Why? Verse 14. Yet, what do I do? I must continue to advance in strength with the truth wrapped around my heart, being assured by God that he's the one who truly taught me all these things. Verse 15. Remember that when you were, you were taught that from your childhood, from the Holy Scrolls, which can impart to you the wisdom to experience everlasting life through the faith of Jesus, the anointed one. Now, this is so good. Like, those of you that bring, you bring your kids to church, well done. They need to hear the word of God. Man, we're supplementing what you're doing at home. We're just coming alongside what you're doing. But never forget to get the word of God into your children. Speak the word, even though you think they ain't listening. You keep speaking that word. When I put my kids go to bed, I just speak the word of God over them. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. You are wise beyond your years. You are full of strength. You are full of the Holy Ghost. You are full of power of the anointed one who lives on the inside. Speak that over them constantly. Why? Because that word does not return unto him void. Now, and why is this so important? Because every scripture that you just blow all over your children has been inspired by the Holy Spirit as the breath of God. Meaning it doesn't just contain the elements of what God is like. It is Him. It will empower you to by its instruction and its correction. So it shows you and I here that we need to be instructed and we need to be corrected. Those are two things that we got to look for in our life regularly. It's good that you need people in your life that will instruct and correct you. And not be like, well, I don't want to hurt your feelings. No, Hurt them. I need some correction in my life. My feelings will get over it. 
that just hurt my feelings. Well, yeah, I, I've got my feelings hurt a lot. But what do I got to do? I got to keep going to the Word of God because the Word will show me how to live. Anybody had their feelings hurt before? Did it feel good? No. Now, let's talk about, I'm not, we're not looking to intentionally hurt somebody's feelings. You know, that's not what we're saying here. But there have been times where I've had different men and women of God speak into my life, and it hurts so good. They're just, they're saying some stuff, and you're like, thank you, Jesus. I'll receive it. And you're just, sometimes you're just like, man, I'm oh, man. You're, sometimes you get a little ticked off by some things that they say. But then right afterwards, I'm so glad, Lord, that they said that. Why? It set me on the right path to truth. It set me on the right path to go where I needed to go. <laughs> Anybody else can have a witness to that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it gives you now the strength to take the right direction and lead you into the deeper path of godliness. Verse 17, now the word of God also will equip you to be the servant of God for whatever he's called you to do. Now, that's all good. Our greatest defense against the devil is a mind that lines up with God's word, established in his grace, because a heart and a mind that is established in grace is able to close the door to the devil and his lies. And on the other hand, our greatest form of advancing the kingdom of God in this earth is a mind that lines up with God's word, again, having our heart established in grace, depending on what God said and calling him faithful to fulfill what he said he would do. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, when I approach this word, I'm making room for the Spirit of God to reprogram my thinking. See, it's so easy to get programmed a certain way. This is how I do things. This is the way things are done. Have you ever just stopped and say, Holy Spirit, do you still like this? Is this okay that I still operate this way, that my daily routine consists and looks like this? Have you ever asked him? Because remember, the Spirit of God is a gentleman, so he's not going to come in here, all of a sudden kick your coffee off the table and say, that's not what I want. He's not going to do that. He's looking for the invitation. So I say, Holy Spirit, is this what you want me to do? Is this how, hey, listen, Holy Spirit, is this how you think? When you think, okay, when you hear about, you know, some of those crazy things, even politically wise, that are going out there, Holy Spirit, how do you see this? Okay, well, I'm going to line up with what you say according to your word. That's changing the way that you think rather than just going with the flow. Everybody thinks this way. Well, might as well join the flow. You don't want to look stupid. That's fine. If you got to look stupid, look stupid. But always stay on God's side. Now, let's move forward here a little bit. Are we okay? Now, grace is the unmerited, as we're, st we're standing in grace. I don't know if we have that on the screen. But just this definition of grace. Grace is the unmerited, the abounding provision of the unrestrained operation of God's infinite love. All right, I got one yes. Are we, are we hearing some of this? What is grace? If you were to define grace, it is the unmerited. It is the abounding provision of the unrestrained operation of God's love that came through Jesus Christ on behalf of men, especially to those who depend on him. Grace has, thank you, has acted first towards all mankind. Grace initiated a conversation with the world. Grace started a talk. Our response simply is in faith going, thank you. 
but grace started this. Now, in this dispensation of grace that we're living in, we have to remember that my job is to simply respond to what grace has done. I'm not trying to make things happen. I'm not trying to make things work. I'm not trying to pray hard to get a miracle. I'm supposed to respond to what grace has done and agree with it. That changes it from the Old Testament. So again, how do I know if I'm stuck in the Old Testament living to New Testament living? Where everything is about you. Did you pray? Did you do this? Did you do this? Well, if you didn't, well, maybe God's not listening to your prayer. That's baloney. You don't have enough faith. That is trash. There's nowhere in the Bible do you find that. Instead now, I'm living in this New Testament. I need to respond to what grace has already done, as we said before. Okay, now... The Christian life is about depending on Jesus' perfect obedience to the Father on my behalf. This is the whole Christian life. So say this to me. My life is all about depending on Jesus, his obedience on my behalf. So notice you aren't in the equation. Your job is to believe what he did. That's what this whole Christian life is all about. So what was accomplished through the death of and burial and resurrection of Jesus. That's what we've been taking the last couple weeks to talk about. But look at this again. John 19.30. My favorite three words in this Bible. When Jesus had tasted it, talked about the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head. Oh, you already got ahead. Go to the next slide, guys. Go to the next slide. Taleo! Come on, one more time. Taleo! And you know, if you actually read Psalm 22, I, I finished this off last week with it, but if you read Psalm 22, that was Jesus. You were standing by the cross at that time. You would have heard Jesus say the entire Psalm 22. And at the very end of it, he actually declared that there would be a generation yet to be born that will declare it is finished. Nice. So we are part of that generation. And what is our declaration? It is finished. What is finished? That's what we're going to talk about. So that's why we keep saying, Taleo, devil hates those words. Man, he thought it is finished thinking it is finished for him means it's victory for me. Only to find out a couple of days later, Jesus rose from the dead and that it is finished came and slapped him in the face. And that's why we celebrate Sundays gathered together. Okay. Now what was accomplished? What was finished at Taleo? This is what we hit last week, our redemption. Come on, say it with me, redemption. What does redemption mean? It means to purchase out of slavery by a ransom payment. It is finished. You were taken out of the slave market. Remember the slave market? Remember Adam and Eve got us in by their disobedience, and as they went into the slave market, they shut the door behind them? And so now all the children born after them were slaves, and slaves cannot free slaves. Doesn't matter if you're a nice slave, a hardworking slave. Doesn't matter the color of your skin slave. It does not matter. What matters or the problem is, is that you are a slave. So when Jesus said, Taleo, it is finished, he meant, okay, the sin penalty, I have taken upon myself. Jesus blew open the door. You and I are completely free from the slave market if you want to be. That's Taleo. That's the good news that you and I are celebrating even this morning. I'm not a slave. Say it. I'm not a slave. 
I'm not a slave in the market, but not only that, so I've, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I came out of the slave market. Now I, can, now I, in this lifelong journey of learning to change the way that I think, to line up with heaven what he says about me, so I can cooperate with him in preaching to the slaves in that market still, come on out. You don't got to stay in there anymore. You're free in Jesus. There is no sin that keeps people bound in the slave market. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what you did. All that matters is your attitude or your confession of who Jesus is and what he did. Do you believe that he is the Lord? Do you believe that he died for you and rose again for you? The moment you believe that, Jesus escorted you out of that slave market and said, welcome to my kingdom. Not only that, now the effects of all this slave market had, because, yeah, thank God I got born again, and now, okay, I'm in, I'm in this. Now there's still some things in the soul that Jesus took care of, and he did it. Colossians 1.13. Look at this. It says, he has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. Say with me, completely. completely. He didn't half do it. He didn't 99% do it. He 100% took care of darkness, and then he translated us into the kingdom of his beloved son. How did he do this? Because in the Son, all our sins are canceled. And we have the release of redemption through his blood. Now, I've been set free also from the effects of the slave market, such as a sin consciousness. Look at this, Romans 8.1. It says this, the case is closed. There remains now no, say with me, no, Accusation, accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus Christ. Listen, there's no condemnation in the man Jesus. Now let me ask you, are you in the slave market? Because in the slave market, there is condemnation. So when you see the world and they're just living in this condemnation, go, yeah, it's because it's in the slave market. It's in, it's in Satan. It's full. It's in sin. Condemnation is there. But the moment that you came out, there is therefore now no condemnation here. There is none. So what am I doing? I'm learning now. I'm reprogramming my mind to come out of the slave market into the kingdom of his dear son. To start thinking like a kingdom resident. To start thinking like I live in Gracetown. When you walk in Gracetown, there's no condemnation there. And you think, well, there's my past and my past. That's slave talk. So when you hear a good friend talking that way, they know better. Stop it. What are you doing? You're lining up your thinking to even go along with the world's way, to go along with the slave market way. That's not you anymore. You came into grace country, and here in grace country, you can't even find condemnation. They don't even know how to spill it there. P, it's not there. The next thing also that you and I got set free from, from that place was also uh, the sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice his, as he, he abolished the thoughts of not being good enough to be in this family. Look at this, Romans chapter 8 again, verse 15. says, you didn't receive the spirit of religious duty. What is that religious duty? It leads you back into the fear of not being good enough. But now you have received the spirit of what? Full acceptance. Here, like kind of what Jamie was just saying, you have a father that is so close, so intimate. He longs to be wrapped up around you. He's right here, but he doesn't know what he did in my past. He forgave it all. He's not thinking about that anymore. So why are you? In grace, Jesus turned the sin dial completely down and he turned the righteous dial complete up. 
So here I stand in this place of full acceptance and folding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned. What does that mean? I, who's my spiritual daddy? He is. <laughs> For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. Verse 16, for the Holy Spirit, his role inside of us is to make God's fatherhood real to you as he whispers in your innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Isn't that good news? The slave market is always talking about how much you suck. You sucked yesterday, you suck today, and you're probably going to suck tomorrow. That's the talk. Man, I'm no good. I just can't do nothing. Keep screwing this thing up. Man, what's wrong with you? Why can't you do better? Over in Gracetown... All you hear is, you are God's beloved child. Because the Spirit of God will never say to you, you suck. (laughs) Aren't you thankful for that? Because if he did say that, that'd be it. I would forever for eternity. Now, the next part we want to get into here is this last little segment, just seeing that I am God's beloved child. There's, There's a transition that took place here from the slave market coming out. I was a sinner. I've been saved by the cross, by the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I come out now, and now in this place, something happened on the inside. We're going to talk about another Bible word, this word justification, or right standing, or righteousness. Because when I left there, and I entered into here, I couldn't come into the kingdom as a sinner. Sinners aren't welcome there. So all these places, is this where good people are? No, these are where forgiven people are, forgiven by the blood, who've now been turned into the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, it's crucial for us that we get this because I have to enter into God's family as a son and daughter. I won't be able to experience all that the son and daughter of God has already provided for me with a slave mentality. If I come into this kingdom still thinking, talking, acting like the slave, it's going to be difficult for me to experience all that Jesus has provided for me. And he's already done it. So again, a lot of times we're thinking, I need a miracle, I need a miracle. Don't get me wrong, God does miracles. He absolutely does. We believe that 100%. But God's greatest way, his will, is that you and I get to the word of God and allow the word of God to change the way that we think. So rather than living from miracle to miracle, I live a divine abundant life where it just constantly goes and goes and goes to the degree of understanding I have of who I am in him. Does that make sense? So Hebrews 5.13, look at this here for a moment. But you and I, we are a possessor of everything heaven has to offer. Say it, I am a possessor of all that heaven offers. Pause for joy. This is the good news. You, you, you have it all. You got him. There's, listen, he gave you Jesus. There's nothing that he would withhold from you. So if you are a possessor of it all, a slave mindset will keep you from experiencing and taking advantage. So I don't know about you, but anybody tired of the slave mentality? Yeah. Are you done feeling sorry for yourself? Yeah. Are you done about, you know, being a victim of your past? Yeah. It's got to stop. Because yeah. all that it does, it just leaves you stuck in that place of the slave market. And God's got, I got a way better plan for you than you just being stuck in this area. So come out. You see that in the Bible. Arise. Get up from where you were. Move on. Get up. Find out who you are now. You're in me. Now, why is this crucial? Because now it says every spiritual baby, infant, who lives on milk is not yet pierced. Say it with me, pierced. 
by the revelation of right standing. So if I want to come out of this slave market, here I am, accepted Jesus, what is going to move me from, huh, wah, wah, still thinking like a slave, wah, why things so rough, this is so hard. What's going to grow me up is my mind being pierced with what? The revelation of a right standing with God. When I know who I am in him and who he is in me, you become spiritually adult. And that's what we want in the church. It's great that you've received Jesus and you got born again. Woo, well done. But it doesn't stop there. Now we have to move on in age so that we actually can become skillful in this word and know where to put the devil, know how to bring heaven into this earth. And how do you do all those things that just seem like, I got to do this, I got I to gotta witness to that guy. I gotta, let's just calm it down. Where do I begin? Where do I go? I've got to yet be pierced by this revelation that I'm in right standing with God right now. Today, I am in right standing with God. That's who I am. Okay. I'm out of the slave market and I'm in. There's always good news. I'm out and now I'm in. Justification. This word really means right here, the exchange of our sins for Jesus' righteousness. Being a sinner was not something we possessed or owned. It was our nature. It's something that we were. Well, the same way with right standing, righteousness is not something that we possess or own, but it's just simply who you are. Like for myself, I'm Joel. I am a male. How do you know? You check the equipment. That's all you need to know. Male. See, God keeps things simple. Okay, all right. You can check out your already equipment later to find out what you are, okay? But the same way that that's who I am, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. Say it with me. That's who I am. It doesn't change. It's a forever secured redemption that Jesus bought for me. Okay, now, on the cross, Jesus didn't just carry my sin. He became it. So now I'm going to just, there's a really cool, I mean, a lot of times in the word of God, you have to find out the time of first mention. It's kind of a law that you find in scripture that when something is first mentioned, it also means that you're going to see it later on in in the word of God. For example, in this case, I want to show you to illustrate what God did for our justification. We have a story in the Bible about the crossing of hands. So in the story of Genesis chapter 48, this is just before Jacob is about to die. And Joseph, remember his son, Joseph, Uh, If you don't know the story, I encourage you just go back and read some of this. But Genesis 48, Joseph had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And just before Jacob was going to die, he wanted to bless Joseph's sons. So Joseph had his eldest son, who was uh, Manasseh, and Ephraim, his second son. So he had, you know, the first son, Manasseh, on this side, on Joseph's left, so that he could bring him to Jacob's right. And Ephraim was on Joseph's right to bring him to Jacob's left. And the reason why that's so important is because how the blessing was passed down was usually through the eldest son. That's how God would bless the next generation, and that's what he would do. But again, Jacob almost ready to die. Just as he was blessing Joseph's sons, he crossed hands. So now instead of 
giving the eldest the blessing. He said, now Ephraim gets the, the big blessing. And this goes back to what was prophesied, that the younger will serve the elder. Now, for you and I, this is what God did. God did this to us. We deserved punishment. We deserved hell. We deserved sickness, poverty. We deserved a confused mind. We deserved all the trash that you could probably see out there. We deserved all the curse that the law demands. We deserved it all. But instead, God did this. Instead, he put it all on Jesus on that cross. He put our sin, he put our sickness, he put our lack, he put the entire curse of the Old Testament upon this son Jesus. That's why you see in Isaiah chapter 53 and 54 that the cross was so gruesome that you couldn't, you'd look at him and you wouldn't even recognize that it was a man anymore because that's how dirty and nasty the curse was. And instead, when the hand switched over for you and I, we were declared right. We were declared whole. We were declared shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Oh, sound mind. Whole body. Spiritually alive and awake to the father of lights. That's what he pronounced on you and I when God did this at the cross. He crossed hands. So I encourage you, find out. You get under the hand of God and hear what he's got to say about you. It is a lot different than even your own self-talk. He looks at you and says, you're right. You're holy. You're my child, my beloved son, my beloved daughter. That's who you are. He declares that so you and I now can come into this kingdom on the right terms you and I can come into this kingdom and enjoy all that heaven has to offer because he crossed his hands. That's who I am. I got blessed. You got blessed. Now, there's a really good story of this, too. I want you to go first look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, he made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that why? We might become the righteousness of God... In him. This just proves it right here. God crossed hands. Aren't you thankful for that? Oh, man. Now, I want to just show you this story. Jamie actually mentioned it this morning about the prodigal son. I want to just show you, again, the father's heart towards you. And in verse 17, it just says this. And I mean, I'm not going to read the whole story. But you get a little bit of an idea that there was two sons. And the younger son come and said, hey, I want my, I want my inheritance. Basically telling the dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my money. So the father, a couple of days later, gave him the whole loot, the whole shebang, and he left and spent all of his money in reckless, wild lifestyle, right? And now there was a big famine that hit the land, and now he finds himself eating pig food. For, again, for a Hebrew man, for a Jewish man to eat with, first of all, to eat swine is forbidden. Now to join in them and eat is the lowest that you could possibly go. Now verse 17, it says, humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing and he thought. Now notice, what, what did it take? Some of you think, man, my family, some of my relatives are so far off. They're so stuck in this slave market. Listen, to defeat the enemy from a natural standpoint, it's just a thought. This guy was a slave in this market and what came to him? A thought. There are many workers, this is his thought, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food that they want with plenty to spare. 
They lack nothing. Why am I dying here of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? Thought came, thought entered. Now he says, verse 18. Now response to that thought, I want to go back home to my father's house. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I was wrong and I've sinned against you. I'll never be worthy. Now notice these words. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. Verse 20. So the son set off for home, and from a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up in the father's heart for his son who was, was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, kissed him all over and over with tender love and affection, and then the son started his speech. Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. Oh, the father interrupted. That's enough. Son, you're home. I want you to see Grace Town now. Look how Grace talks. Slave market, we'll just have you talk a little bit longer. Yeah, t- tell us how low, how big of a worm you are, how crappy you really are. Son, you're home now. Now turning to his servants. Go and get me the best robe, my very own robe. What is that? That's the robe of right standing. You actually see that in the Bible, the robe of righteousness. You accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Guess what he did? He threw that robe over top of you. You are now fully welcomed in my presence. Give him my best robe, my robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I'm going to put it on his finger. Notice, who put it on? The father put it on. And bring out the best shoes that you can find for my son. Because servants didn't have shoes, sons do. Verse 23, let's prepare a great feast. Let's celebrate. Why? Because this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. How do you think that son lived from this day forward? Was he kind of shy around his dad going, hey, kind of sneaking back into this? No, he slammed that door shut on him. Son, you're home. Come on, and everything I have is yours. But I blew so much of my life. I messed so much of it. No, 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 no. Look how much you have with me yet. Look at all the things that are yet to come. Look at all that I've put on the inside of you. Look at this robe of righteousness. Look at this seal of sonship of the ring that you got on your finger. Stop looking at what you didn't do, what I should have done, and instead look at what you've been given. What have I been given? I have a robe of righteousness on. I got a ring of sonship. I got shoes on my feet. Why? Because I'm a child of the Most High God. And when this mentality starts to infiltrate and reprogram the way that you think, rather than crawling into heaven and say, oh, Father, I don't deserve anything. But if you could stop that, stop it. What are you doing? You're ignoring the sacrifice of Jesus, and you're looking at how crappy you are. Stop it. We all know that we were nothing before. We were all useless before, but that's not how God saw us. What did he see? He saw a child, and he said, I want you back. And not just back so that you can enjoy, back so you can participate in getting these other slaves out. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm 
getting more and more. I didn't say fully. I am getting more and more to the place. I want this entire city reached. I'm not, listen, it's easy to go, I want the whole city. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite there yet, if I'm really honest. So what do I need? Lord, I need you to show me and reveal to me your heart. Show me what needs to be seen on the inside of me so I can be a participating son in this kingdom. That's what I want. I want that heart. Not just looking constantly back at the slave market and go, you guys are a bunch of losers. The way you talk is brutal. The way you act, what's wrong with you people? How come you are so confused? How come you're so stupid in there? Do you want to know why? It's because they don't actually have spiritual eyes. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that this God of this world has blinded them to see. And that word blinded actually reveals that they don't even have eyes. So not only is there just not, there's a blindfold, they actually don't have eyes. So Jesus actually said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has came to help to set the captives free and restore their to restore sight to the blind. He's not talking about just a bunch of blind people walk around and poof, there's your eyes. That definitely did come. But on a deeper level, he's saying, I'm the light. I'm here to show the people in darkness what true light is all about. Come out of darkness. Get out of there. You no longer need to be there anymore and come into the fullness of all that I've called and have for you. It's not about you, but it's time that the church stopped dwelling and meddling and even acting or thinking or behaving like over here. Get out of that trash. It looks good. It feels good. Sure, sin feels good for a while. Let's be honest. Going to the bar, I remember in my teenage year, man, that was a lot of fun. Till the next morning. But now, in the kingdom of God, how much more real, how much more fun is this on the outside when you go, oh man, God, you, I, I needed an escape and I didn't have to turn to drugs. I don't have to turn to pornography to release myself so I can have some sort of, you know, get this weight off me. In this kingdom of grace, there is no weight here. That's the whole response of faith. It's rest. I'm not trying to make things work. I'm not trying to pop out good fruit. I'm just... Oh, resting in how much I'm loved by God. And I don't even need, I don't even look back at that door anymore. How do you do that? Establish my heart in grace. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And that was all you need. Oh, I just want to break this addiction. I just want to get rid of, you know, I had horrible relationships in the back. I've just got all these soul ties. Man, I'm telling you, and I, you get out of that thing and start visualizing and seeing what God has done for you. This isn't just nice words to hear on Sunday. It's for you and I to see it. I'm out. Let this be a horrible visual for you all week. Just going to hear. Not. I'm not. I'm out. And it cost Jesus a tremendous price to get you out. Let's all stand together. I'll be finished. So what do we say? Taleo. Come on, more time. Taleo. What's finished? I don't know. <laughs> What's finished? I am in right standing with God. Come on, say it with me. I am. In right standing with God. Taleo! Oh, but do you remember your past? No, 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 no. Taleo! Remember, we are the generation that's here to declare what? It is finished. What is finished? My right standing with God is finished. I don't have to do anything. I simply acknowledge and enjoy all who my Jesus is to me. 
Ah, you're no good. Taleo! Some of you got to get mad at the devil. It's, it's, he has been tormenting your mind. He has been trying to bring you back to the slave market. Enough. What do we boldly declare? Taleo. It is finished. And how do we fight with the devil? Not with just, oh God, please, please, please. Man, the God's looking at you. Go, I gave it all to you. You stand up to that punk. You tell him. With what? With his word. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No, you're not. Yes, I am. And you keep doing it. You keep doing it until when? Until it dawns on you and you go, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus.